Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Will. That's Blake. Today we're here to talk a little Worlds Beyond number. The Ooh, finale baby. of the first arc of this hopefully many year long journey. Um, so excited to dive in. Uh, but, you know, before we get into the business, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing all right. It is Monday when we're recording this. Sorry, I, I'm opening the dice that we got. And I'm just like organizing them. Uh, good... Spoilers. I'm not going to show them. I'm not going to show them yet. But I just I feel I felt like this need to organize them in front of me for like good luck. For okay. Today's, just a good vibe okay. for today's episode. Yeah. You know, uh, now that you say that, um, Rose from our community and I think a few other people actually like roll dice during episodes and stuff like to I, like, I don't know if it's like a ritual or like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, superstition. Like like type of thing yeah. um I that too but i like that i i've never done that but i i think i need some desk dice now just so yeah if i'm watching it if i'm watching it in the living room with joy i'll get my uh what's it called like rolling uh mat thingy um your dice tray thank you dice tray <laughs> and um get like one of my favorite sets of dice and i'll have that out yeah. um and then anytime like just for fun if it's like just a funny moment or it's like a big moment i'll just do like a quick d20 Ooh. I like that. So I don't know. It just keeps me enjoying it, I guess. Oh, I, li- it is I a like ritual, that. I guess you know. Yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna have to steal it. I'm gonna have to steal it. <clears throat> yeah, you're not allowed to do it though, because we okay. we already do it. Okay. So. My bad. My bad. I just wanted to be one of the cool kids. So we did just have our first episode of our calamity rewatch in the Discord. We did. That was really Last fun. Night. And if you have not seen Calamity, or maybe you have, it is, in my opinion, hands down, probably the best D&D for sure, but like best live action narrated story. I don't know what you, how else you'd describe it other than D&D, probably that I've ever seen. Um, so we watched last night we got together, uh, had a bunch of people uh, in the Discord uh, so if you liked Calamity, don't forget that every Sunday, so this upcoming Sunday and then the two after, we're going to be finishing watching Calamity together. Uh, everyone is welcome to that. And if you missed the first one and you've never seen Calamity, you just need to watch episode one between now and Sunday. Uh, and we'll probably mention it again, I would assume, uh, like in our CR episode probably. But, yeah. Ooh. I don't know if we'll have, I guess we won't have another Worlds Beyond before our next watch right. party. Um, but yeah, right. if you follow our other content, we'll definitely be mentioning it. And I don't know how much of an overlap there. Like, I don't know how many like uniquely worlds beyond people we have in our community. I assume there's a pretty large crossover between our critical role community and our worlds beyond. But mm-hmm. if you are just a worlds beyond person, like you don't follow critical role, um, <clears throat> would highly recommend checking out calamity. It might be a nice segue for you to um, venture into critical role. And the good news is, it's got like half of the world's beyond number cast. So it'll be a nice little, again, segue for you. Uh, Brennan is the DM uh, and Lou and Abria are both players in it. So yeah, I would highly recommend if you haven't seen it uh, to check it out. Like Blake said, just watch episode one and then come join us for episode two That's on fun. Sunday. Uh, but even if you have seen it, come join us. Like mo- I think probably most of us have already seen it and we're just enjoying uh, rewatching it together. But yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited for next Sunday. Um, is there anything else we need to 
talk about before we just get into to business here? I don't think so. We've got a. I don't yeah, think so don't either. Think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, uh, this was the end of the first arc, um, mm-hmm. which the next episode. I mean, I guess we could talk about this once we launch into things, but uh, arc two starts October twenty fourth. Yeah, about a month away. So. I guess this might be the last Worlds Beyond content we make for a while. Yeah, it's four weeks away. So yeah, yeah. this is probably it for about a month. Yeah, so, so. Um, it, it'll seem like we drop off the face of the earth if that's the only th- if Worlds Beyond is the only thing you come to us for. But we'll we'll be around and we will be back for Arc yes. Two. Yes, assuming something tragic doesn't happen. Yeah, well, God forbid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, all right, let's, let's get into it then. Uh, so as always, we are going to recap the episode before we launch into our proper discussion of it. And we cut that recap out and host it separately on YouTube for your, uh, recapping convenience, which I'm assuming may come in handy after this long break before the next episode. Uh, so if you find yourself just on that recap and you want to check out our full discussion on the episode, we will link it in the description below. Um, but without further ado, would you like to start us off today, my friend? Yes, so this was episode 14, the end of the first arc of The Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild One. There is an ocean vaster than this one. And if you remember the um, cliffhanger from the previous episode, um, we had uh, Ursuline coming up to meet Moro, who had created this huge whirlpool in the ocean to come down and essentially attack Naram. And as... Ursulon successfully grapples Moro. The whirlpool slams shut, uh, presumably kills, uh, drowns all the other wizards that were descending with them. Uh, and we partially leave this moment to go back to Suvi, who is being held in the grip of the Strangler. And Suvi is realizing that there is essentially no hope of stopping Orama, that her fury is too great and that Port Talon is going to be overrun. And so Suvi ultimately realizes the only hope there is for this town is to essentially lead uh, Orama's stranglers away over to um, Naram in the ocean. And she does a couple of things. First of all, she tries to tell the Azur Battalion to stand down. However, she rolls pretty terribly for that. In fact, if you don't recall, she was rolling pretty awful um, through this yeah. entire like saga of like these three episodes. Um, so no different here. Still rolling terribly. Uh, but then she also has a perception check uh, of an 18 uh, to the Strangler that's holding her. And if you recall, the Strangler... Uh, believes that she is Naram. And so she decides to essentially um, take the, or not necessarily take the strangler, like grab the strangler and kind of like pull on and be like, come on, and then jump on her horse and start galloping towards the harbor. Um, Orama can't seem to hear um, Suvi in the sense of she's kind of, Orama, we get some dialogue from Brennan that's basically like, Naram, talk to me. Naram, where are you going? What are you doing? And essentially all of the stranglers and the, Kudzu basically freak out and begin to chase after Subi, who is galloping away on her horse. Uh, going a little bit out of order of what happened, but just in terms of simplicity of the recap, uh, there is also going to be Archmage Galani who shows up, who's kind of like, okay, what are we doing? And Subi is like, we have to take Orama to Naram. Uh, it's really the only hope for the city. And so she continues to gallop through, 
and uh, basically is trying to get there as fast as possible while also navigating the presumably evacuated sections of the city. Uh, she continues to roll terribly. I think at one point she had an opportunity to like escape the grasp of the Andre uh, and rolled like a four or a six or something. Yeah, she's pulled off. She's pulled off her horse. Um, and I don't remember if Galani like was helping like lead them on or not. But there is a moment where like Galani like blows open a portion of the wall to like help more of the kudzu and the stranglers come through just to like get to yeah. uh, Naran faster. Um, and also there's this moment where Suvi is essentially trying to talk to Orma, can't figure out why it's not working. And she looks down and sees the pendant, uh, from her mother sitting on her neck and realizes that this thing is, as we know, enchanted to prevent spirits from, uh, essentially to be invisible to the spirits. She rips it off. Um, Orima shrieks and screams liar and dispels the Naram illusion. Um, we'll come back to that in a moment. We go back to um, Ursulan, who is essentially uh, at the bottom of the ocean with um, uh, Moro. And Moro is panicking, uh, is essentially drowning, and realizes that Ursulan was a spirit uh, basically the entire time. Uh, and in this moment, uh, with one last action, decides to cast Disintegrate Ooh. on a level one, actually level two, level two <laughs> Paladin. Yeah. And fortunately, Naram, boom, level nine counterspell. Uh, yeah. It's basically like, Moro, I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a very, uh, a very cool moment. Um, also, there is this moment where uh, Ursulan decides to pin Moro to the uh, ocean floor. He drives Wavebreaker through his clothes. And as this happens, the coral uh, sort of rises up from the ocean floor and forms like this coral hand that grabs Moro and essentially like pins him to the bottom of the ocean floor. And there is essentially this moment where um, Naram is basically like... Uh, Naram is insightful to Ursulan, struggling to figure out, do I kill Moro or do I not? Do I mean, is that the right thing to do? Is that the honorable thing to do? You know, Ursulan's conflicted. And so Naram basically says, you know, hey, it doesn't get any easier than this, um, but essentially opts to uh, cast a magical spell that creates gills on Moro's neck, and Moro is able to breathe underwater and is essentially left there for presumably eternity uh, to be imprisoned at the bottom of the ocean and uh, to basically think about what he did. <laughs> um, there's also this really cool dialogue between Naram and Ursulan uh, where, um, or actually that's later, excuse me. Um, Ame, though, is also going to reach out to Naram and is basically like, hey, we need some help here. This is getting a bit wild. And Naram essentially is like, you know, we've done what we can to save the town of Port Talon. Uh, however, basically, I'm on my way. Uh, there's this really cool, I don't remember how Brennan described it because it was so many weeks ago, but there's this really cool moment where as the Katsu and the um, Stranglers are making eventually to the harbor, where I think it, I think the way Brennan described it was like Naram, like, gushing out almost like aquaman with like ursulon coming up like on a wave too and like both of them like landing on the harbor or something like that 
Um, just a very cool like mental image that Brennan created. Um, but essentially, uh, there is a thorn of Orama that is moving to strike. Uh, I think Ame, maybe. I can't recall. I think it might have been. Um, I think it was Suvi. Okay, Suvi, who, by the way, has been pulled off her horse and is uh, not in a good place. Uh, but Naram, you know, basically jumps in the way and is pierced instead. Uh, much to Ame's dismay, um, thinking that Naram is maybe now going to die. And Naram essentially says, um, you know, she has poisoned me many times. Uh, she's fierce. However, she's also the most beautiful of all the spirits. Um, the now reunited, um, the chaos subsides for a moment as Naram turns to Ursulan and basically says, uh, there's an ocean vaster than this one in the realm of spirits, and one day we will welcome you home uh, with a great feast in your name. Um, Naram also points out that Wavebreaker has the ability to break the curse, um, that they must move quickly to do so, but it's also around this time that Galani shows up and has this kind of strange moment of, um, should I attack Naram? Yeah, I think I'm going to. And as she attacks Naram, uh, the vines of Orima reach up over uh, Naram's face to shield him, and uh, completely Naram disappears. Uh, and all of the kudzu and stranglers uh, basically drop lifeless as this happens. Uh, and Orima and Naram are gone. Uh, do you want to take it from there? Yes. And uh, I looked it up. I was incorrect. It is Ahme. Um, Orima is like attacking okay. Suvi because of the the liar thing because she was disguised right. as Naram, but then Ame I think commands her to like stop. Like Ame's trying to help right. Suvi, and then Orima like turns her attention to Ame. Yeah, and Orima uses a legendary resistance for whatever this command spell was. Yeah, so uh, yeah. she yeah she's trying to pierce Ame, and Naram blocks it yeah. for her. Um, so yeah, um, <clears throat> like Blake said. Uh, Naram kind of teleports away. The Undre collapse. The Kudzu goes inanimate. And uh, Suvi kind of like runs and turns the corner and sees Ame and Ursulan standing there. Um, they quickly kind of check in on each other, but they're all, they're not alone. So they can't really kind of like fully fill each other in. Um, but Ursulan lays on hands on Suvi. And, uh, you know, she describes, or he describes that she feels like the warmth of the fire from home and she tells him, you know, she's so sorry. Ame then addresses this crowd that's kind of gathered around um, the crowd that, that she had previously been trying to like create a shrine uh, earlier. And I don't know if it was this episode or the one before, um, but she addresses them and says, you know, Naram is who taught your ancestors to fish. Orima is the one who's protected these walls for generations. You have forgotten the ways like we have not tended to the shrines or given them the respect they deserve. Uh, we cannot control the spirits. We can only work with them. Uh, and she, I can't remember the type of check, but Brennan has her make some sort of check. It might've been persuasion. Uh, she hits a 24. <clears throat> so the people remove their hats and bow in respect. And uh, a very old woman kind of steps forth from out of the crowd. And uh, she grabs Ame's hand and she begins to sing. And then everyone begins to join in. And uh, then production wise this song actually plays within the episode and it was amazing beautiful moment 
Um, so we kind of have the song play, and as it ends, Galani walks up. She and Suvi catch up. Uh, they think that Moro is presumed dead. Um, Galani thanks Ame for tending to the citizenry at Port Talon, and um, then basically tells Suvi, like, hey, get your things. Like, you're coming to stay in the governor's mansion now. And Suvi's like, yes, of course. And don't worry, like, I'll explain everything to Steel. Uh, so Ame speaks with um, some elders, <clears throat> excuse me, in the village to explain to them, you know, here's how to best tend to the shrines and make offerings. And um, Ursulan, meanwhile, is still feeling his breath kind of for the first time in so long, feeling the source of his magic and he feels alive. Um, and as he's feeling this, he looks down and sees that, you know, he's wearing his glamour. Um, but this is just a thing that he wears. The thing that he is is this quiet thing inside of himself that he has now regained. Um, so we cut back to the governor's mansion with Suvi arriving back. Um, she starts to read the book, uh, her parents' book that she was reading earlier. Um, but as she does this, or before she does this, she mends her necklace that she kind of ripped off uh, during the Orima scene. And she... Um, Mends it in the same way she used to see her mother mend things, which was like a shortened version of the mending spell, just to make it kind of slightly quicker for really small items. So Suvi does that, and then she begins reading the book. Um, she has to make some checks here, and she continues rolling poorly. Um, <laughs> but so she's looking at it and you know going through this book, and that's when Ursulan comes back into the room and. She asks what happened and they kind of catch each other up on everything that was going on. And, you know, he says, you know, I broke the coral ring. And then I remembered this encounter with Naram from when I was a kid. And I realized I couldn't just wait until Steel got here. Like I had to go help him. Then Ame enters the room and uh, there's a quick, brief little bit where the fox like thinks he's dying from eating so many fish. Um, <clears throat> but Ame notices there that um, Ursuline smells different. And he tells them that he reconnected with his breath while with Naram. Uh, conversation then quickly turns to breaking the curse on Ame. And Ursulan picks up Wavebreaker and begins just kind of waving it around, unsure of how this curse-breaking power works. Um, so he rolls a perception check and realizes the difference between now and when he felt connected to his breath under the sea is that he's expecting something now instead of it just kind of happening naturally, like with the Divine Smite. Uh, the conversation gets very phallic around now, um, as sword play is compared to impotence. Um, but Ursulan concentrates and Brennan kind of gets them back on track. And, uh, he thinks back to when, or how he felt when Ame first told him that he had a quest and that he was honorable. And as he's thinking about those things, he just brings the sword down slowly towards Ame. And he recalls the joy he felt with Naram as a cub, the joy he felt in summer with Ame and Suvi and the weight of honor and the weight of a quest and the ever present shame he's felt and failure. Um, <clears throat> but how those things, you know, he's always felt like they were the constant companions of honor, but for the first time he met honor or excuse me, the first time he met honor, there was no shame. It was just joy. So as he's thinking about these things, um, the sword alights and he feels this connection to joy and honor and life and quests. And there are two forms of magic as he moves forward. Um, one lighter and one deeper and more profound. And Brennan asks, which one do you follow? 
Uh, and Lou says he follows the deeper. So he asks for a con save and a wisdom save from Ame. And she rolls a nat 20 and a 9. So <clears throat> Ursuline feels himself cut something. Um, <laughs> and we've got perception checks, I think, He's from bad. Ursuline. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Arcana from Suvi. Uh, Suvi rolls a nat one, uh, but Ursuline rolls a dirty 20. And he can tell that he's removed the curse. However, as it comes undone, uh, Ame feels something kind of like sliding within her. And she's like filling with like a poisonous feeling. Um, so Brennan does this really cool. He says, okay, I'm going to let you assign the two rolls you just rolled, the nat 20 and the nine. Um, and because you hit a nat 20, I'm going to kind of tell you what's at stake. He says, if you uh, fail the wisdom save, um, that means the curse will take something with it as it's extracted. But if you use the nat 20 here, you lose nothing. Uh, but if you fail the con save, that means something will happen to your body. But if you use the nat 20 here, nothing will happen to your body. So does she want to pay the toll with her mind or her body, essentially? And uh, she decides to pay the toll with her body. Because her mind is what makes her a witch. So as this curse is rended from her, her body shudders with pain. She collapses, begins vomiting this black bile. The fox starts freaking out. Um, and Ame is like seizing on the floor. Uh, Ursuline runs over, casts protection from evil and good on her. Suvi casts identify on the bile. <clears throat> we have another con save from Ame. With a 20 DC, she hits a 19. So she fails and she goes unconscious. And uh, so does the fox. Um in Ame's mind, she starts dreaming of Grandmother Ren and the first time she spoke of the world's heart. Uh, Suvi's identify in the meantime finishes and this bile is not the curse. It's something that was hidden behind the curse, essentially meaning whoever put this on her put these like safety precautions in place. Like if the curse is removed, like she dies. Um, so Ame has, she's not going to die from this due to her roles, but um, not without tremendous effort and some consequence. Um, so Suvi tries to figure out where this thing came from. And Brennan says she remembers an old fear of being a little girl in a town on fire. And she thinks of the man who wore the form of a beast, uh, Yorin. She can uh, smell his smell on this bile. So <clears throat> we now cut to Steel's ship arriving, uh, docking above the mansion. And Steel arrives in the chambers and sees um, Ame knocked out. And a little bit of time, have passed, uh, of time has passed. So Ame's like in the bed and Suvi and Ursula are tending to her. Um, so she walks in. Suvi's like, what do you know? And Steel says, I've been brought up to speed, but give me a quick rundown. Um, and Suvi's wondering, should I throw Ursula under the bus or not? But she ultimately just tells Steel the truth. And Ursula fesses up to his part in this as well. He just he tells her it didn't feel right to wait. Uh, she says over 150 people are dead uh, in the future. If you make decisions that put my soldiers at risk, I will consider you an enemy to Ursulon. Uh, she then asks where Moro is and Ursulon says he was taken by the sea. And then she asks, OK, what's going on with Ame? Uh, they tell her that they removed the curse. <clears throat> and she says, oh, so glad you didn't wait for me and use the vast resources of the Citadel to help with this. Um but Suvi just kind of cuts through her sarcasm and is like, hey, where the heck is Yorin? And Steel's like, why? And Suvi explains that, you know, she can smell him on this. And Steel says, we have a very long overdue conversation to have. 
Um, so she then casts a divination spell over Ame and says, we have to get her help immediately. The longer she's like this, um, the ones that cast this spell on her will be able to like track her. Um, she says that stranger that showed up at your cottage, uh, this curse, like none of this is an accident. We got to get to the Citadel to get this girl help. Um, she tells Suvi, like, you'll be in command of looking after her once we're there. And Ursulan, hey, you're welcome to come, but you're not commanded to. Um, and he says, you'll, you would be a guest of the Citadel, beholden to our rules, but not under our command. So um, she also says, you know, I can't blame you for the actions you took with Naram, but I hope all the weight of the lives that have been lost are not lost on you. And she just says, I hope everyone thinks clearly. Um. Suvi then briefly tells her that Galani was like an exemplary uh, wizard throughout this crisis. And uh, Brennan has her make an insight check and she can tell that Steele is really surprised that Suvi is complimenting another wizard and that there's a pride there, like a growth and maturity that she recognizes that Steele is really proud of her for. And she's also glad that uh, Galani, she now knows is someone she could trust. Um, so later that day, they board the airship to head back to the Citadel. Um, as they travel, there's an arcana check from Suvi, and after about three days of travel, uh, she realizes they leave the sea and instead hit this vast ocean of sand. Um, during the travel time, she starts reading her parents' book again and comes across a note in her father's handwriting. Uh, and this is very like technical and very like deep lore, uh, but essentially what it is is she's dissecting these notes her father was making about these reflexive indicative like spell casting notes like when you speak these things and how it affects the spell and essentially that there was one symbol that he deemed unnecessary like you could omit it um and suvi's like what like you can't omit that you need that and she's like how could i what can i test this on uh my father's notes here that i could see if this if he's right and it's in this moment that she realizes she already knows this is the same Thing as the uh, shortened mending spell that she casted earlier that she copied from her mother. It removes this very thing that her father is talking about. Uh, it's at this point that she hears a knock at the door and Steele's like, hey, we're about to be here. We arrive in an hour um, and Steele's like, we should talk. It's been a long time coming, but it never felt like the right moment. And she says, it's about the night that I last saw your parents. I need to tell you about Yorin. And that's where the episode ends and the first arc of the wizard, the witch and the wild one ends. And uh, y'all, thank you for bearing with me. I know that was a lot of information there at the end. Uh, but again, episode 14 of the wizard, the witch and the wild one. Uh, and if you want to see our full discussion, it'll be linked down in the description below. Yeah. Don't forget to jump into our discord either. By the way, we haven't, we mentioned the discord for the watch party, but we talk about worlds beyond in there as well. So feel free to join us there or, you know, in the comments below. Yeah. So boom, boom. Boom, chicka boom. Ah, it's a lot. And uh, a lot. man, good job. what a what a what a good ep. What a good arc. I don't like, you know, I, since it is the end of the arc, you know, I figured I'd just give my little give them some flowers. Um, really. Yeah, really. <laughs> really. <laughs> really that was that was the one where like he. Was that the one where he like got smart because of like the experimental yeah. treatment, but then it like wore yeah. off? I think or he died. I... Oh, yeah. But is that the one? And the, the, there was a yeah. mouse in it 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's Al- Algernon's the flower. I mean, the uh, mouse. The mouse, that's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Just making sure I was on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about it, guys. We're just, you know. <laughs> we're classic. Yeah, um, yeah uh, fan- fantastic. I've just, I mean, I know you have too, but this, uh, loving this story, uh, love the first arc. And I think I, I told you this already briefly, uh, but in the most, in the fireside chat for this episode, uh, Taylor Moore talked about how, you know, he loved the first arc, but really the second arc, which they've already completed filming or recording. He said, it's incredible. And like, is really like setting the stage. So that just got me like, so excited. Bro. I'm like feverishly taking notes from Brendan Lee Mulligan, man. We are just seeing, his brilliance on display um and that praise for arc two has got me riled up i mean man it's gonna be tough to wait we have to wait a month and then the every other week pacing um it's gonna be tough but yeah Yeah. an amazing first arc though um it it was good from the get-go i really enjoyed it from the get-go yeah but especially like the last four or five episodes is when really i was like bro this is getting really really good yeah things uh we've talked about this before but you know even being level one um mm-hmm. now level two technically at least for ursalon um <clears throat> the stakes have felt there the whole time you know yeah so yeah i'm right there yeah. with you well let's talk about this specific episode or or about the arc in general um we it's kind of funny in hindsight like this was ultimately it was the story of breaking the curse but it was also a story of naram in orima and we got that first breadcrumb of the fountain um which i think in hindsight i think it was naram's face was the one that had been like destroyed or yeah yeah it was and it was a nice i think in retrospect it was a nice um implication or insight that something had happened to Naram. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little Um, foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice detail. Um, you know, Brennan has mentioned how he's jealous that Matt, Matt Mercer has been able to like world build at length. Mm -hmm. And, um, details like that has just shown, I think Brennan really enjoying this whole creative process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know where we want to like drill down on like the specific episode or the arc in general. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think we should, you know, obviously talk about the episode, but since it is the last one, feel free to just, you know, toss mm-hmm. in the, the full arc thoughts as well. It's, it's cool <clears throat> continuing to understand the world of the realm of spirits and which also the realm, I'm going to call it the realm of humans only yeah. because I think humans was mentioned. However, is it confirmed that there are no other D&D races in Umora? Because we haven't had mentions of elves, dwarves, gnomes. Um, that's, that's a good point that I hadn't even thought about. Huh. And Brennan's never described any of those races well either. we did well no never mind i was gonna bring up i can't remember her name off the top of my head but i was gonna bring up the the workshop girl but she was a spirit yeah. so right um right yeah that's interesting i hadn't even that hadn't even like pinged for me um yeah i, I don't think there has been any mention of one but 
I don't think that necessarily means there couldn't be still like maybe this, right. this part of the world is yeah. human, but right. um, yeah, that, that's really interesting. Hmm. Well, what, uh, what rises to the top for you in terms of, um, you want to talk about, uh, one moment in particular, I, I just loved, and it, it, it speaks to the, just the immense skill of, of, of all of them players and DM, um, which I, I don't know if you happen to notice this in, in the comments when we were having our calamity, uh, watch party last night. Uh, but we were talking about like improv and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I just quickly referenced this moment. Um, so you may remember, but, um, Did, didn't I start this conversation <laughs> in the watch party? Uh, maybe about improv, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you have, you haven't heard the fireside chat. Have you? No. Uh-uh. Okay. So yeah. So there was. There's just they. The moment they talked about, which was an incredible moment that I actually didn't even mention in the recap, at least not explicitly. Uh, but at the end there, where Suvi is reading her father's notes and putting these things together, uh, when Ursuline comes in, he he says, "Who are you talking to?" And Suvi right. says, "My dad." And uh, that was just such a good like. That was such an amazing moment. And it was it was born out of all improv, um, right? And they talked about this in the fireside chat. How like one like they were all just complimenting each other's skills, and um, you know we're talking about how like that that seems so I don't know if easy is the right word, but it seems so fluid and so natural. But like all of the years of like improv work mm. that go behind like yeah. making something like that so fluid and natural. Um, but just like it was Brennan who like introduced Ursulon had made it to the room and then mm-hmm. Ursulon taking upon himself to like recognizing what just happened and saying, who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. And Suvi to immediately, you know, be like my dad. Um, mm-hmm. I know I'm just waxing poetic right now, but loved that moment. And just like they were talking about in the fireside chat, just really a testament to like how good they all are. So, yeah. And I, I feel like, not to beat a dead horse, but I feel like this is always like something worth mentioning. I think it's a good reminder for all of us who play D and D all those levels of experience that you just talked about. Um, Cause I've, I've talked with other people who there's like, Oh man, I'm never witty enough or I'm never, I can never think of like the, the line to say. Yeah. And it's like you mentioned, I mean, we're talking years of experience here and we're getting to, we're getting to see people in their element. um, Which is also why I love how the Patreon is so well supported too. I mean, mm-hmm. ideally they can, I think even a Bria actually not in worlds beyond, but elsewhere, I think there was like some conversation about this and she was like, yeah, my job is to play D and D like this is, <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> um, but it's so cool though. It's so cool. Like seeing people's incredible expertise on display. Yeah. Um, so yeah, amazing moment. Brennan had some freaking phenomenal moments. Um, it's coming back up in the calamity rewatch, but I think about episode, um, I think it was 12 maybe when, uh, Ursulon in the finale is using Wavebreaker to free Naram and Brennan basically has this amazing moment where he says, you know, you are a being of infiniteness or something to that effect. Um, and something to the effect of like, maybe you don't get to be infinite without being first singular, like, sort of like appreciating this like action. Yeah. Um, so like the way Brennan even like, you know, comes up with these like really moving lines. And I think a lot of this kind of 
the momentum of all of this really picked up on the back half, which is why I think we, I mean, like I said, it was already good from the get-go, but especially this back half, um, you could really feel some really cool energy. And the episodes got longer too, which I liked. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if that is just like a, I wonder if that will continue or will if we'll go back toward kind of like the hour-long apps uh, at the start of the next arc. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just want, like, I wonder how much of that was kind of leaning into, like, the climax of it versus mm-hmm. just maybe they started to tend to like that length more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I suspect <laughs> we talked about this in either this episode or one before it, how there have been some content cut. Um, I think the most notable Yes, one, I wanted to talk about this. The most notable one for a listener, I think, would be when Archmage Galani is giving her speech to Naram, like you won't overtake Port Talon. Her voice, her voice trails off, and we don't hear the end of it. It's basically cut out, whether it's intentionally or not, and in the sense of like whether Brennan intended it or not. Um, but then you and I were talking about it, and you mentioned some content being cut, and all this to say. If an episode early on was like an hour and 15 minutes, which we had some around there, um, I wonder if like the uncut content was like more like a two hour session, which. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, because even even non narrative stuff that's cut, just like the time between roles or like, what should I do on my turn? Like all that stuff Mm -hmm. is clearly cut, which can, you know, easily make up half of a runtime Mm -hmm. of a session. So yeah, it's three fourths of my players combat. Usually <laughs> feels like most people for sure. What can I do again? Like you're level one, you can Eldritch blast <laughs> Eldritch blast. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, we, we've talked about this. I wonder that as well. Like, like the Galani example you mentioned, like maybe, maybe that was all Brennan said and it's like, Hey, let's take a quick 15 to get some water, you know? And so just Taylor in the production, like has it trail off, but maybe there wasn't anything else Brennan said. Um, but was, yeah, and maybe it was an awkward segue too to cut away from it either. Yeah. So, but continue what you're saying. Um, but, uh, an example that, and I'm glad you brought this up cause I had forgotten in our last episode when we recorded it, I hadn't had a chance to listen to that fireside chat yet. Uh, but mm-hmm. then I did and I was like, dang, I wish I had listened to this cause I wanted to bring this up and it's on this subject. So in in episode 13 when ursalon frees naram with wavebreaker we have the moment where he you become level 2 you get divine yeah. smite and you're successful well in the fireside chat they brought up how uh when lu first did that he's not level 2 he he fails like he doesn't do enough damage to free naram and lu talks about how like he was like devastated he was sad and then brennan said but you leveled up to two. So roll your divine smite damage and add that. Um, and in, in the version we get as the, the audience, all that was cut out. It was just yeah. your level you two level divine up. smite. You were successful, which yeah. I understand. Like I understand why these cuts and these changes are made, but that was one of the first times where I was like, Oh, I'm kind of sad that like, I didn't get that experience too of mm-hmm. like he failed. Mm-hmm. And then, but Oh, you know, so which, uh, you know, I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but uh, that really made me wonder, okay, what else has been cut out that we've kind of missed out on? Yeah. And it makes me wonder, like Brennan's so good at creating like very intentional moments for a very specific character. Yeah. Um, and Brennan also, I don't want to say um, it's not that some things he does is convoluted, 
but but some I think the perfect example is the the scratch notes um from Suvi's dad where it it like about the, the null cleft and it, and it yeah. got very technical like yeah. that that's pretty on brand Brennan of like Brennan's so smart and kind of cerebral in the moment mm-hmm. that I wonder if like his mental um steps of you fail but you get level two and you get the divine smile like i wonder if like in post-production it just felt clunky and i wouldn't say this is true but like one thing i've noticed is they've really worked in post-production to remove clunkiness like we don't yeah like you said we don't get the okay now what what is insight wisdom okay yeah what, what is that they just say boom here's what i rolled like they they remove a lot of that so i wonder if I wonder if that was the reason, but, but you're right. It does make you wonder. It's like, Hmm, could we ever get like an unedited version on the Patreon? That would be interesting. You know, a year from now, Hey, the first 20 episodes are up. If you want to just hear them as they happened, um, which maybe not, maybe they're (laughs) they're like, I made that one joke. Don't hear that episode. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I, uh, I, I wouldn't see them releasing it whole, wholly unedited, but like, maybe like, here's a little cool sneak peek of like some moments that were cut, but like, there's funny, you know, type of thing. Um, yeah, I would say like for the majority of the time, that type of stuff being cut is not going to affect the narrative or the story, but so like I I'm cool with them and this is like a kind of entirely different beast than something like Critical Role which is completely unedited. Um and I at this point I really enjoy what Worlds Beyond Number is and I wouldn't want it to be Critical Role mm-hmm. but at the same time I wouldn't want Critical Role to all of a sudden cut that out and become like what this is. Mm-hmm. So I think both are really cool in their own way. Um and back to my original point, the majority of the time I don't think really anything narratively is lost in the way that they do it. But occasionally like I do feel kind of a little bit was lost and not being able to experience yeah. that same journey that, that Lou well, and that Ursulon had in that moment. Yeah. And I can see it from the whole perspective of you and I had a whole dialogue about what would Brennan do? How, what is his, his GMing habits for his players? And we talked about like, I guess Lou's role was like a 24 or something to hit and i was more kind of like i mean surely it's a level one like it's surely he's good and you were like maybe not though yeah like i think from like what was lost i think i think it's not validation it's like you're like developing an insight about kind of the style of what the campaign's going to be like like we've we've never seen crown of candy but we know people we know brennan said from the get-go that hey you need to have a backup character and then presumably people's characters die so it it I don't know. It's just, it's part of the experience, like formulating, like, so, so I, I totally relate with you in the sense of like something, even though it's small, something being lost there. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I don't want to just start repeating myself (laughs) like I always do, but yeah, I think, yeah, we're on the same page. And, uh, that, that being said, not that anyone took it this way, but that being said, freaking love everything Taylor is doing. Like he's just, as much as a master in his realm than that these guys are in theirs. Um, that freaking song, I did not see that coming, man. And that's yeah. so cool that with this style of show, like we were just talking about compared to something like critical role, they can do yeah. that. Like they went out and had this in universe song, like created. And, and during the fireside chat, they, he talked about like he worked with a choir and he worked with these other people. And um, 
that that was just such a cool moment that completely caught me off guard when that that song started playing yeah it's it's artifacts that you do for your D table you know i mean it was for us obviously but um it, it definitely gave me like a D table vibe of like here's this thing that we can now like kind of fully experience um but yeah, I loved that too. And I also loved uh semi-related the children choir um when Naram, I guess two episodes ago, was like erupting out of the sea. Mm. Like that was also um yeah. and actually not even that, uh, a few episodes before that, when or no, a couple of I think it was the episode before that, when Steel is um the episode The Prisoner's Dilemma, where Steel's interrogating them, and there was this really epic music. Um all this to say i'm agreeing with you that taylor taylor moore the first couple episodes i was like yeah i can see it this is cool but then it feels like it kind of hit its stride uh on the back half yeah and i'm really excited to just see how taylor's evolves as this goes on because um i'm sure we've mentioned this before but he apparently taught himself how to do this stuff like to do this job so like he isn't yeah. like a yeah you know a super you know, experienced, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Pr sound productioner. I don't know, but producer. Yeah. 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 He's just Audio producer. already yeah. done an incredible job. And I, I just can't that, wait to see what, what else. That comes is out an interesting. This. I didn't know that that's an interesting insight because when on one of the episodes that he was delayed on, um, you and I talked about this a little bit where I said, um, like, this is the first I'm hearing that from you. Mm. We talked about some detail from him about, I can't remember what it was, but I said something like having done like so much podcasting production, I was like, Oh, that's really interesting that he's doing it that way. Mm -hmm. And I think like the voice memo I sent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's, if that's a, um, a process thing that he hasn't iterated yet, but then there's this other detail where he was talking maybe in the discord. I don't know where it was, but he was sharing like the program he was using and like some of the issues that he was running into that was causing the, delay because we had a couple of weeks of delay mm -hmm. and there was a comment someone who was like oh well why would you use that program for like this thing this is so ambiguous because i'm like i'm pulling it from like the way back in my memory <laughs> someone's like oh why are you using that program because usually you would use this for that task but you know everybody's like an armchair expert so right, knows right. it's accurate but all this to say yeah i think yeah coming into his own developing his process getting more reps um, this is not to say that he's he's inexperienced or not qualified. I, I think he's doing great. Um, but yeah, I, I think as he explores and gets more creative, you know, um, it's kind of fun to think about what Arc 2 might sound like and be like. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember. If, I think I, I think I said this. So sorry for repeating myself, but um, they did reveal that Arc 2 is already done. Well, it's already yeah. recorded, I should say. Right. It's probably not done post-production wise um, I, did they say it's the same length or similar length they didn't say they didn't say they just said that okay. the, the comment was just that we just finished chapter two and we're gearing up to start chapter three like in terms of recording it yeah i think i think this is good i think this is something i wish critical role did a better job of in that having this 14 episode arc and knowing that I think it was around episode 13, they had recorded up through 22, something like that. So presuming arc two is a similar esque length. I think, I think these things can be a little bit easier to get people um, invited in, in part of the experience. Whereas with something like critical role, if someone was like, 
hey, where do I start watching or like, how do I catch up? For this current campaign, I'm not totally sure where I direct them, but mm. also we're in the middle of it as well. Right, right. Um, but like 70 episodes deep, it, I don't necessarily have that same sense of like the Goku saga, the Boo yeah. saga, yeah, know, kind of thing. So, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> but. yeah, I feel you, and I, um, I, I don't. I mean, they clearly had, they were clearly recorded much more. All like the fact that they've already done chapter two i don't think is a new thing like they obviously recorded a lot in advance and that's just how their just that's how their process has worked the whole time but i'm hoping that with this long break between arc one and arc two and the fact that they already have all of arc two done hopefully that lets taylor have a better workflow to where like like you mentioned a lot of episodes were were late or run you know as it were which who cares like you know i'm glad that he's not like on a forced deadline and like freaking out um but i wonder if all those things combined if he, he'll have like a much better easier time like working on everything with you know not having to like wait for them to send them the raw recordings each week to then start working on it or whatever yeah do you think we ever get to a situation where we get weekly episodes probably not i mean i anything's possible i guess but the fact they already have you know, they are already doing it so far in advance. Like they are clearly like the two week thing has nothing to do with, mm -hmm. with like that in my mind. So for whatever reason, they just wanted to do it this way. But I mean, who knows? Maybe like, maybe they decide to switch things up for like the next campaign, whatever that might be. But I, I would have a hard time seeing them do it for the wizard, the witch and the wild one. Well, they are already doing the, um, um, Sorry, like a bunch of doors are getting open and closed around my house. <laughs> um, they they're already doing um, the like the one sorry. shots and stuff. Yeah, I was trying to finish the sentence, but my toddler is knocking on the door saying, <laughs> "I'm here." You keep talking for a second. Let me see what's going on here. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think what Blake was alluding to is the fact that they're already doing stuff during the off weeks. You know whether that be the fireside chat or um, things like the, I wanted to call it animal farm. That's not what it's called though. Uh, whatever the most, whatever the Erica Ishii uh, DM little saga was, which I think that was two episodes. And then for, this was Patreon only, but now that is available to everyone. So for those of you that don't have Patreon and you wanted to check that out, um, that is available. And then for my Patreon only folks, we are getting the Cram Daniel one shot, which I don't, I think it's more than one episode, but that, I think the first episode of that just recently came out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She had to let me know that she did in fact pee pee in the potty. <laughs> oh, what a freaking champ. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so I don't want to segue as too hard, but I would really like to talk about the curse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. More specific on this episode this was obviously like a main storyline for the episode we got a really cool detail um which by the way i just wonder like brennan there's just things there's things that you envision like not railroad like there's things that you envision happening in certain in a certain framework or a certain element we know that he semi pushed the group to hey we'll decurse this at the citadel and mm -hmm. like i just wonder like what he had kind of envisioned there 
party was like, we're good. And they do it themselves. <laughs> I don't know if you hear my dog barking, by the way. Sorry about that. But they do it themselves. We have this really fantastic, cool detail of it, how it affected Ame, which I think was kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got a nice little throwback to Yorin, episode one. Maybe, I guess the pre-episodes, actually. Um, or the, the, the um, children's story, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but an interesting little detail about Yorin, who is from... Uh, What's the name of his country? Um, oh, Gathmire. Yeah, Gathmire. Yeah, something like Gath- that. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. Like, we obviously have a really big reveal that's coming in the first episode of the next arc. This conversation. What all was going through your mind as you were seeing this stuff unfold? I don't know. I mean. Because we've had numerous times throughout this this season, we've talked about steel, and if we, and I, not to retread that same ground a million times, but to put it very very quickly for those of you that maybe have not watched this before or haven't heard us talk about this, if she's being completely forthright, not that she's secretly like the big bad, but could she have had something to do with Suvi's parents dying or is she at least is she holding things back which at least at this point we know she she has been holding things back there's a conversation she wanted to have with Suvi for so long so I don't know thus far everything Steel has done has made her out to be like she really is like a good person to put it to put it simply Uh, you know she really was you know she really does care for Suvi you know yada 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 um and I don't know if like I'm just being like contrarian, but all that makes me think, ah, oh, she does have some sort of secret, you know, like, so Bro, I don't know. I gonna... feel like and I'm thinking too, like I'm thinking too archety- archetypal, like narrative <laughs> storytelling, which this isn't that. So I shouldn't like expect that. But I keep like I feel like Yorin is maybe a framed, you know, maybe like you know, the evil demon guy that her only her father trusted. Oh, he really was the bad guy. You know, I'm still like, maybe he wasn't. Maybe Steel is still the one that, you know, betrayed them. Um, bro, bro. What? I totally agree. <laughs> this freaking Lady Steel, everything she does just makes me more suspicious, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which, yeah, I think, I think, I think Brennan has, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go all in on this for a second. Okay. Yeah. With disclaimer guys that were never wrong. Okay. <laughs> Brennan has, brilliantly allowed certain details to simmer a bit. Um, you know, this fact that steel has never talked about the last night she saw her parents. It's, it's interesting that, Oh, now we should probably talk about this mm-hmm. as the party's taking another step closer towards revealing whatever the truth is. Yeah. But then also the other thing that felt like a reach to me, not because Britain played it poorly, but because like you, I am just so obsessed with like these, <laughs> these narrative turns. Yeah. Um, when Steele mentioned the, uh, visitor, the stranger, um, King of night, pilgrim in the night, King of under the stars, whatever it yeah. is. Um, she's talking about the curse. She says, you know, it's not a coincidence. The curse, this person who came to the cottage, sort of like subtly linking those two things together. Yeah. Which felt, it felt, let me get you off my scent-esque, for lack of better words. 
Um, because we, I mean, the curse was presumably there before the stranger. I, I, for, for me, grandmother in passing is what invited the stranger. Yes. Whether when we've talked about this, whether it was as a Green Reaper esque character or just like her dying. Um, but yeah, we're on the same page, man. I'm like totally like <clears throat> steel. I see you. Yeah. And not again, not to say that like, she's like the orchestrator of, of right. all the bad, but like that at least, and I mean, she has admitted to as much as not being fully transparent, but like in a bad way to some extent, um, is my thoughts. And now one part that doesn't really mesh up with that, at least at this, from what we know right now is the fact that it does smell like urine. So like, you know, now that could easily have been like planted for lack of a better word, or like maybe there was some way to make it like, maybe that was intentional to point people in that way. Um, or maybe it really was him. Um, and at at the, Go ahead. I was going to say, maybe it's just, maybe it's just of his origin from Gathmire or whatever. I yeah, mean, true, like true. Who, Not necessarily him, but like yeah, maybe, reminded her of that because. Yeah, maybe yeah. Steele is like, you know, it's like, man, I should really get rid of this stuff from Yorin that he left. I'm like, oh, what's this black vial? <laughs> hey, I need to use this on grandmother. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could just be, you know, it came from Yorin, but not to Yoren's knowledge, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It could be something like that. I mean, there's a lot, of, there's a lot at play here and I think it, I think it is more complicated than just right. This microcosm of, of Suvi and steel. Like, I mean, clearly it's way more complicated than that. Um, so, you know, these things we're talking about with, with steel and, and Yoren, you know, obviously it has more, it has more branching than just the situation we're discussing mm-hmm. right now. But because clearly there's just like we we got the and I don't remember the exact words, but we got whatever the implication was in that first episode that like the fact that um, soft was working with Yorin was kind of strange. But no, he trusted him. So like mm-hmm. presumably Yorin was like a double agent. I mean, I don't know if that's fair to assume or not or like a spy <clears throat> um, who like who knows if he was playing both sides or not, but. There's that. There's this greater question of like what was happening at the Citadel that night. Why were Suvi's parents like trying to get away? Like, did they uncover something? You know, not that not that Suvi's parents were Galthmy agents. I don't believe that. But like, maybe they found out something about the Citadel that they weren't like they couldn't be on board with anymore. You know, so like I don't know. There's just so much here to unpack that. Um. I don't know what to make of it, but you and I are on the same page that I some sums up with steel still that I can't just like shake because this one, everything she's almost been too cool at every at every pass, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that uh, in the children's adventure, there is a little bit more context revealed here, um, and it's not really spoilery, so I, I don't I feel comfortable saying it, but. Um, there's this moment where like this information is brought um, like to Ren essentially that is dealing with the, I, so, so people like Yorin, I get, you know, can, can transform into like his bestial form or whatever that was, that was like briefly described, you know? So there are like the, the identities of like these 
beast forms, let's call it. And I don't know if that's only Galf Mayans or if like Citadel wizards, if some of them can also transform. It makes me think of, you know, Harry Potter, like Sirius Black could turn into a wolf and like you had to yeah. register like with what you turned into type of thing. Yeah. There was this, that was that information of like, oh, this thing is Yorin. Like mm-hmm. this thing is this person. And um, so like that information was there and it was like, you, this has to be kept secret. Um, wasn't that like something that she wanted delivered to Grandmother Wren or something? Like, oh, maybe that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. So maybe it wasn't the children's adventure then. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was part of um the stuff that that's what Steel had Suvi bring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I so I got my wires crossed. So yeah, then that's not yeah. even a children's adventure spoiler. So yeah. that that is very said... interesting too. Like right. in conjunction with all these other pieces. The conjunction. Conjunction, junction. <laughs> um, I was thinking of The Witcher, but thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> conjunction of the spheres. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, and I know I'm just like going full Pepe Silva here, but also <laughs> there is a possibility that like Ame is not necessarily, or ah, never mind. That's not true because Yorin maybe knew where Suvi's parents were sending Suvi. I guess he did. Maybe not explicitly, but he was at least yeah, there. Mean, yeah, true. You know, yeah. Because um, yeah. I was gonna say the fact that if Yorin did put this curse on Ame, like maybe he didn't even know that Ame would be at all connected to Suvi, but he probably would have. So I, that was that was me taking that back. But that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Um, anyway, I've 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 got us lost <laughs> in the sauce. So if you wanna, if you wanna there's go no, anywhere now, there's no saving that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see, you know, I, I don't know. I would love to hear what other people are thinking. If anyone yeah. else is like you story junkies, you know, who like feed on <clears throat> delicious plot twists. I just, I feel like this is prime. And again, it's not because Brennan's done anything. He's shown his hand or played anything wrongly. No, it's yeah. just that I am just, you know, addicted to this kind of stuff. And no, quite the myself. opposite. You know, honestly, yeah. like not and not that not that what we're saying is right. But if it did turn out to be right, then I think that would be expert like storytelling by Brennan to like right. set up those things. Um, So, yeah. I, I'm really interested to see what what Steele says, you know, but no sense in speculating on that wildly. So we'll just have yeah. to we'll we'll revisit this conversation, I'm sure, whenever. Mm-hmm we find out what the secrets are that she's been keeping. <clears throat> okay. Um, what else? Um, n- not too much to say here, but I did just, I loved that whole moment with, uh, Naram and Orima, like one Naram taking the bullet as it were. I was, I was concerned. I was like, is Naram going to die? Um, but then I I thought that was so like, so beautiful as mm-hmm. well when like Orima like immediately like started sucking out the poison and it was like, and I, I don't remember Brennan's words, but it was essentially like, you know, they've known each other so long. They've been married. Like they, she knows how to not hurt him. But mm-hmm. It was like the type of phrase or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought that whole moment was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. He, played um the gentle wave spirit very well yeah. i love that dialogue too 
Um, and I guess it's good that she could remove the poison because I guess the alternative was, well, Naram's dead. <laughs> and Orma just going crazy. <laughs> yep, Rampage just got worse. Yeah. Um, some other things, just looking at dates. So they've said early, I don't know if they've specified beyond this, but they did say in early October we would get the witch class revealed. Um, the details of that. Um, we'll also get the wave breaker uh, stat block on the 11th. Uh, we'll get the level two leveling up details on the 19th. And like we already mentioned, uh, the premiere of arc two on the 24th, which is uh, four weeks from this video. Yeah, yeah. I like that they're uh, at least kind of giving us some things to chew on while we wait. Um, I'm excited to see those stat blocks. Me too. Yeah. What's and uh, go ahead. sorry, go ahead. Well, I had read a comment too of like someone who was like a Patreon subscriber who was like really annoyed that a country affair got aired live. Like, kind of like, what what do I pay for? And I was kind of just, I don't know, man. I was kind of just like. Come on, Dro. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of weird to me. Like, you you had it like a month, if not months, in advance. Plus, you get the fireside chats. Like, and I'm I'm kind of on the uh, you know, when I pay for someone's Patreon, I'm this is just me. This is not. I have no problem if anyone approaches this differently. I have a few people people on that I'm a Patreon of, mm -hmm. and for me, it's like, hey, do whatever you want with the money. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. So no, hopefully the, hopefully that person is in the minority. I can't imagine most people would feel that way. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, I, I would, I would grant that there would be certain things theoretically that like, if they were introduced as like, you only get this if you're a Patreon forever. Like, you know, if it was like, I can't think of an example, but like there is something that would exist that then if like the next day they turned around and gave it to everybody, I would be like, well, what the heck? But like, definitely yeah. don't think that's the case here. Um, so yeah i just think that person is needs to chill out a little bit yeah um i i think i briefly mentioned this during the recap but i'm looking at my notes here and i just thought uh you know talking about how how good brennan is the moment um right after the the naram orima chaos where they're back in the room talking about the curse and they all start talking about penises and stuff uh he He's able to take that like you just left this like ultra serious moment and you're kind of entering a new one with the removal of this curse. But things kind of got derailed with now we're all phallic. Um, He like beautifully got them back on track with. um, And again, I'm just looking at my notes, so I don't have the actual lines in front of me, but they were all they were laughing both at the table, but also in character. Um, and so Brennan turned that moment into this powerful moment where he connected for Ursulon that honor is not always about sorrow. Like honor can be about joy and the laughter of your friends in this moment remind you of the joy of that summer. And I was like, golly, like what? Like you could have just been like, okay, guys, like let's get serious. Okay. Now you were, you were trying to remove the curse. Let, you know, instead of that, like he connects it yeah. in universe and makes it like yeah. poignant. So I just thought yeah. that was awesome. That's why he's the goat. Thought that was awesome. <clears throat> um, that 
those penis jokes continued into the outro too, which I hope those little stingers stay. Um, the first one I remember is Taylor doing uh, maybe episode 12, maybe 13 with like the water, like the sound of like water kind of coming from the microphone. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. Kind of. So I'm liking, I'm digging the little outro stingers. Well, there was, I remember one, which I don't know if it's fair to call it a stinger, but it was the episode where they first met Finley. And, you know, Lou was like, Finley! He <laughs> plays one more Finley at like the very end of the episode. I, thought that I, don't, was, I didn't catch that. Okay. <laughs> I thought oh. it was really funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I hope that continues as well. Do you think Finley made it out? <sighs> when, what was the last we saw of Finley? I'm trying to remember now. Oh, they warned him and he was running away yeah. from Yeah. From what's his name? I don't know, man. Gallows seems like he kind of knows what he's doing. Yeah. Finley does not seem like the yeah, sharpest tool so in the shed. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think well, he did though. I'm more curious about Ghost though. I hope we like We might see Ghost at the Citadel. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about yeah. that she might be there. But yeah, even if even if we yeah. don't like see her on screen again, I hope we get some sort of update on her. Yeah. And her uh candle golem. Yeah. So <laughs> All um right. well anything else from you? I'm just taking a look at my notes right now. This isn't really like a discussion topic, but I did think it was really cool how Naram referred to Ame as like the new witch of the world's heart. Mm -hmm. Um Again, something we talked about before, but I can't. I just am really interested to learn more about like what that freaking means and like what mm -hmm. this fane of power inside Grandmother Wren's house is. Um, and then the only other thing, uh, I just thought that, uh, of the many beautiful things said that the whole quote that this episode is named after, um, there is an ocean vaster than this one upon whose waves the sun is always shining. It calls you home, and I know one day a great feast will be laid for you in that place. Just thought that was nice. Hopefully on good terms that he returns home. <laughs> and not like, you died, and you yeah. go back home. So, yeah, I wonder what happens when spirits die. I don't know. All right, squad. Uh, let us know what y'all thought of the episode, and also your favorite parts from Arc 1. Another gentle reminder, we got the Discord where we talk about Worlds Beyond. You're welcome to join. Anybody's welcome to join, whether you are a casual fan or a more uh, hardcore fan, and whether you've been following every week or you've just been jumping in lately. Like I said, everybody's welcome to that Discord. Um, and like Will mentioned earlier, I guess this will be us, the last video from us for maybe till the premiere. Maybe we'll do like a one more till then. I don't know. but Yeah, we'll have to life. see. But yeah, like... Uh... If you need something to kill time in the next month, come join the Discord. Come join us for this Calamity Rewatch. That would be a almost perfect timing for when that ends and when this picks back up. So especially if you've never seen it before, I um, mm -hmm. would highly recommend. But yeah, that's all I got. Alrighty. Catch you guys later. Bye, y'all.